Episode of Animation Fascination Podcast. I'm Mark Vibbert, and with me again after a very long hiatus is Mr. Justin Vector. Oh yeah. So welcome to a vintage episode of Animation Fascination pairing of myself and Mr. Vector. Started the podcast about three years ago. Uh, so, Justin, take it away. What kind of episode is this? This is a a wonderful Studio Ghibli episode, and it makes me happy in my Ghiblis. It's also an AF News edition as yeah. well. Yeah! This podcast focuses on the world of animation. Every new episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion. If it's animated, it's up for discussion. Certainly is, guys. So in this episode, just a little bit of preview of what we might be talking about. Like Justin said, some Studio Ghibli Blu-rays that came out recently. Also, we're going to be talking about Disney's Big Hero 6. It's come out in theaters. And a little bit of an advanced uh, review of DreamWorks' Penguins of Madagascar that we just saw today as well. And the, the bomb you guys all know about, Toy Story 4 was announced recently, so we'll share our thoughts about that too. So with that, we'll be back in a few seconds, guys, and we'll see you then. Yes, this is real music. Dark, brooding, important, groundbreaking. Check out the lyrics. All right, everyone, and we're back with our new releases for the week. Got a few new Studio Ghibli Blu-rays that came out recently. So the first one we're going to be talking about is Kiki's Delivery Service. I'm going to let Justin take it away with his thoughts about the film first. When I was in high school, I took a Japanese class, and I was living in Japan at the time, and we watched Kiki's Delivery Service in the Japanese class. I'm trying to think if we watched it with Japanese subtitles. I think we watched it in Japanese with English subtitles. Hmm. I remember not knowing anything about Studio Ghibli at the time. I think this was the very first Studio Ghibli film I saw. And actually, you know what? I must have either rented it later or it was in English the first time because I remember the cast was uh, Kirsten Dunst as Kiki and then Phil Hartman as the cat, Gigi. Oh, yeah. So that I remember standing out. So I, I must have watched it in English at one point, but... Um, it stands out to me as my first Studio Ghibli film and feeling like, oh, okay, this is the Japanese equivalent of Disney. So I have fond memories of it. I don't quite remember the story 100%, but um, I just I remember enjoying it, remember enjoying the animation, and it just set the standard for me for Studio Ghibli films after that just... Um, going through the 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 library of the catalog after that, right. um, so yeah, I have some fond memories of it, but um, I don't a hundred percent remember it. Yeah, so this this was like the most recent one that I've seen outside of The Wind Rises, which is another one we're going to talk about. But yeah, because the, the Studio Ghibli films had been on my shameless for a while for like films I hadn't seen, so I've slowly but surely been going through with my son Patrick and watching them. So we watched 
we watched this one actually a few months ago before the Blu-ray was announced. And so I was like, oh, it figures now the Blu-ray is coming out now that I finally watched it elsewhere. But I really enjoyed it. I thought the story was cool. It's basically about, uh, it's like a coming of age story for Kiki where she has to, to leave her, her home where her parents are. Her, her mother is a witch and she's a young witch. So, so when she goes off, she finds a, like a new city to kind of grow into her witchdom and like learn what she needs to do with it. And she starts working for this bakery as a delivery service with like using her broom and whatnot. She meets a few different people along the way. I, I really enjoyed it. I liked the voice cast in this as well. Uh, like Justin was saying, uh, Kirsten, a young Kirsten Dunst as, as Kiki, Phil Hartman as her cat. Uh, it's got some other great casting as well. I can't remember off the top of my head really quick is who's in it, but uh, I, I did really enjoy it. It's, I, I know that this was one of the the first of the films that Disney kind of got the rights for and then yeah. did the re uh, the English. redid the di- uh, English yeah. dialogue mm-hmm. for it because it came out like in 1989 and yeah. in Japan, but then came out I think what like uh, maybe 1994 or 95 in the U.S. I want to say 98, but yeah. Yeah, cause, sounds about right. Because then, yeah, like I, rem- I remember, like Totoro was maybe a year or two after that that it came out on Blu-ray, and then Princess Mononoke was the same way. Where like that was really, that's usually how it goes with their films too. Is like they release like when Rises came out in the in Japan maybe in 2012 or something mm-hmm. like that, and we just got it this year. So it takes a while for us to go back through and, and redub it. Yeah, and whatnot, but. Um, 80 or 97 was when Kirsten Dunst and Phil Hartman recorded it and it was released in 98 oh, man. and Phil Hartman died in 98. Oh, so wow. I was like, well, it, the dub, it says dedicated to his memory. Um, but yeah. And that was one of the first ones I remember, like you were saying, that was kind of when Disney started releasing them, them taking an old film and then putting kind of current celebrity voices on it or dubs. Right. Um, so that was, I, I remember it standing out to me. I was like, oh, Kirsten Dunst on a film that came out in 89. That's weird. Yeah. So when by the time it came out here, she was a little bit older than than when it had actually come out. When, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you were um, talking about the voice cast. Janine Garofalo was in it. Uh, Matthew um, Lawrence, yeah. Brad Garrett. Um, Jeff Bennett. Uh, and then Pamela... Um, Adlon? Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are some of the ones that I recognize off the top of my head. Yeah, and the, the bonus features on this are pretty good, too. I like, uh, uh, like, John Lester uh, is, like, a huge fan of Studio Ghibli films, and he's he's great friends with Hayao Miyazaki. So there's, with a lot of these Disney-released Studio Ghibli films, he's, there's actually been a lot of uh, kind of conglomeration stuff with Pixar and... Studio Ghibli on there, so like I believe like on the like the How's Moving Castle, there's like stuff with Pete Doctor because he was actually like the voice, uh, like the redub director for that film in the U.S. And then like on here, there's an introduction that John Lasseter does from from the actual DVD that they did way back in the day. And there's a lot of great bonus features on here too. There's like the original Japanese storyboards; you can check those out. So you can watch the entire film. And that original storyboard kind of, which is it's always kind of experience watching the film that way. 
it's, it's almost like when you go to see like a like a test screening for a film that's more or less that's kind of what you're doing with watching it the storyboard way uh there's creating kiki's delivery service which uh these past two are also eight in hd too and this one's about with uh Miyazaki talks about uh stepping in as the director for the film and basically almost near where the end of the film is being done and kind of keeping the time period and the setting vague and also talks about his absence from a research trip to to Sweden uh, with his animators as well which which that's cool that they did a lot of um research a lot like Pixar does when they like when they did up they would you know they went to South America and checked out all the different geography there so it's cool to see that Studio Ghibli does the same kind of research for their films to kind of get an idea and look for stuff like that as well and then there's a the locations of Kiki which is a, like an excerpt from the scenery in Ghibli uh, Japanese documentary which is uh, detailing of the real world locations that kind of served as inspiration for all that in there as well what were some of the bonus features you thought were pretty cool Justin that would be the one that stands out to me, the locations, because I love Jap- Japanese scenery and Japan. So that one, and I like John Lasseter coming in and, and introducing and talking about it. Um, so, yeah, that I think the locations of Kiki is the one that stands out to me. Definitely. Uh, and the, the last one I like, just because I like uh, music in films as well as the scoring Miyazaki, which ha- is like a seven-minute kind of bonus feature with the composer uh, Joe I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name. Uh, Justin, you want to try? Hisaishi. There you go. Reflects on his music uh, and the themes. and So not just for this movie, but he also did the music for Totoro as well as Castle in the Sky and Ponyo, as, as well as many others too. So if, you, if you're a big fan of uh, film score and like TV score, it's definitely a bonus feature you definitely want to check out for that as well. So the next one after Kiki's Delivery Service that we're going to talk about is the one that came out this year, which was The the Wind Rises. And I think this is still one of my favorite films that came out this year, not just animated, but in total for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, and there's been a lot of good movies that have come out in 2014 so far. It's been a pretty good film, or yeah, pretty good film, pretty good year for film. <laughs> But yeah, I, I loved the voice cast for this as well. Joe Scordon Lovett does the voice of the, the, our main character, John Krasinski from The Office. That's just I mean, there's uh, I'm trying to remember who else. There's like so many people in here. It's tough. Stanley to, Tucci. Oh yeah, Stanley Tucci does the Martin voice. Short. Yeah, Mar- yeah, Martin Short's voice was pretty funny in the, the film too. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed this. It's it's, it's really cool. It's kind of like in the same vein as if you saw it from up on Poppy Hill last mm. year. It's, oh, yeah. It's a historical. It's not as as uh, like fantastical as like say Castle in the Sky or Kiki's Delivery Service. This is like based on real life events, kind of with that Miyazaki like twist to it. So even though it, it takes place and is based on like real events, there are still fantastical elements. Like like there's dream sequences that our main character has with like. Uh, how he's influenced by the way the airplanes that he designs and his his mentor that he he looks up to, which is the, the character that Stanley Tucci does the voice for, and it just has a really beautiful animation to it as well as all of Studio Ghibli's films do, and the fact that when these come out in HD on Blu-ray, they just look that much better. Like, like I've said before too in the past, all animation tends to look pretty awesome in, in HD. 
What do you think, Justin? Yeah, that's one I was looking forward to when the Blu-ray was coming out. Because, um, like you said, animation is one that pops on, on my um, HD TV. So, yeah, that's something that I had been... Even in back when it was in the theater, I was saying, man, this is going to look great on Blu-ray when it comes out. Right. Um, oh, also, I just noticed... Uh, Emily Blunt was another. Oh, yes, yeah. So, yeah, John, John Krasinski and Emily yeah. Blunt. Uh, which was funny because Emily Blunt does the voice of the love interest for Jessica Gordon Lovett's character. And so it's, just, it's kind of funny. It's only funny to you, I guess, if you know the real life way that these people are yeah. in, interconnected mm-hmm. with one another. But uh, the bonus features on here are, are pretty great as well. There's uh, The Wind Rises Behind the Microphone, which is about 11 minutes long. So has uh, voice director Gary Rydstrom, you guys recognize. Uh, he's done a, a ton of animated films. Uh, Joe Scorn Lovett is included on there, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, Sonny Tucci, and William H. Macy as well. Uh, they discuss the film as well as uh, all its themes and the characters and what kind of, kind of some of the challenges that go into kind of going into recording a dub because a lot of, because sometimes they're kind of locked into these performances that are already there for uh, the Japanese version, so they kind of have to give it their own spin, but fit it into that same kind of condensed time that's already set for them. Whereas when you're doing, uh, obviously, like a film here in the U.S. for a U.S. release, they would do all that that dialogue before the film is animated, whereas this is done after animated. It's all finished, and basically the film's been out for two years in Jap- Japan already. And I love seeing those like when you see the voice actors when you can when they're recording the voices that's always one of my favorite features whenever i look for an animated blu-ray especially with the dc animated ones i always love seeing the actors doing the performance and coming in sometimes with no makeup on and just in their sweatshirt and their yeah sweatpants so i I always like seeing those yeah and joe square and love it in particular it's, it's cool watching him doing uh, scenes as as Euro in the film and uh, see, seeing how kind of like express expressive he is and just like getting into the character and uh, just how good of an actor he is both like when he's on screen and doing a voice as well. Uh, just like with the, the Kiki's Delivery Service Blu-ray, this you can watch the entire film storyboard sequence uh, as well as which is then the full two hours of the movie and then there's this cool kind of more or less kind of like a press conference uh for like the announcement of the film which is a it's like feature length itself it's like almost 83 minutes long uh and it's basically Hayao Miyazaki and the Japanese voice actor Hadaki Ano who did the voice for Jiro and uh, singer Yumi Masusoya who sang the theme song something's gonna let Justin do because he uh, you know has done J- Japanese so he's probably has a better connection with doing the enunciation for some of these Matsutoya is the singer yeah. Yumi mm-hmm. and then uh, can you read the theme song because I'm definitely going to screw that up theme song Hikoki Gumo there you go uh, and then it's them all discussing film sharing anecdotes from the production and then covering a lot of topics talking about the film's develop as well as the writing casting animation and the voice work for as well and then there's also the original japanese trailers and tv spots and those are about nine minutes long if you watch those all together uh, and again like we said that the sound and video on this look amazing in, in hd so i would definitely yes. suggest going to pick this up uh, 
the other one that came out the same day as these two is Princess Mononoke. We haven't had a chance to check that out yet, so we're going to wait to review that until the the next episode. But that is another one that I would really like to see. That one looks like it's got another great cast. Well, it's got Billy Crudup. Uh, who else? Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, who's currently playing Fish Mooney on Gotham, which is another podcast Justin does, which is the Gotham podcast. Yeah. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton does the voice as well. And who else is in there, Justin? Uh, Mini Driver, Claire Danes, and Scully. Yeah. Jillian Anderson. So, if yeah, if you've seen that already, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that in episode 79. But I've, I've heard pretty great things about Princess Mononoke as well, so I'm looking forward to checking that out in the future. And I think the only bonus feature on that one, though, is, again, the, the storyboard sequences. So we'll be... Discussing that in episode 79. Yeah. Uh, the next one is another uh, DVD coming out from Cartoon Network, which is the Adventure Time Finn the Human uh, DVD. It's coming out on the 25th, so by the time this this episode comes out, the DVD will already be out. And you got a sweet Finn backpack that's inside of there, too. So uh, on this, these are basically all, like all episodes that are kind of really centered on, on Finn. So there's 16 episodes on there, which is basically about half a season of the show. So it's got, and these are from basically between seasons one and uh, six that are currently on TV. So it's got, a, so it's got a pretty good mix of from the first season to where they currently are at with the show. So on there, it's got the New Frontier, the Leak, uh, Finn the Human, Jake the Dog. We fixed the truck, Blade of Grass, the Red Throne, the Great Birdman. Not to be confused with the Michael Keaton film that recently came out. Uh, One Last Job, Little Dude, which is not an episode about my son Patrick. Uh, City of Thieves, Conquest of Cuteness. That one is about my son Patrick. Patchwick. (laughs) Uh, Who Would Win? Say that five times fast. Uh, Ignition Point, Furniture and Meat, which is uh, Justin's favorite store that he goes to all the time around here. He gets himself a hot dog and and a sofa at the same time. And then Sad Face, which is the last episode on the dvd which is appropriately called sad face because now you've run out of episodes to watch on the dvd but yeah if you haven't seen a lot of these episodes or if you don't have seasons one through four on blu-ray or if you don't like watching stuff in hd what for some reason i don't know why uh, you can pick up the dvd in standard definition uh and you do get a sweet backpack with it it's like a nice little drawstring uh backpack that looks like finn's backpack on the show uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's only like 20 bucks and it's a good conglomeration of really good Finn episodes. So again, if you haven't, if you don't own the first four seasons on DVD or if you don't want to watch stuff in HD, I guess this is, this would be good for you. Or if you're just buying it for like, uh, say for some, for like a little brother or like a nephew or, or niece for like Christmas or Hanukkah this year would be like a good present for a kid too. So and they'd get a little backpack with it so they could put all their Adventure Time toys inside of it. What do you think, Justin? What do you think about Adventure Time? I love Adventure Time, and I don't watch enough of it. I need to watch more. Yeah, I'm behind on it as well. I haven't seen, like, any of season six. Almost at this point, I'm almost waiting for the, the Blu-rays to catch up to be concurrent with where they are on TV. So I can just watch all of them yeah. in HD on, on the Blu-ray when they come out. But I love the... Um, art, yeah. Um, well, the, I, the art too, but I love the um, the length of the episodes because oh, yeah. they're perfect. I don't have to, 
have a huge time commitment. I can sit down 10 minutes, watch an episode, and then if I, you know, if I want to watch more, I can, but yeah. I don't have to sit there for an hour and, and watch something. So it's, I, yeah, it's kind of like the, the cartoons that were on, like when well, we were younger, yeah. where like Rugrats or like Doug or some of the, like this, like some of the Nicktoons, like where they would do like two episodes within like the half an hour block. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a cool kind of thing for them to do for kids because as we all know, uh, kids as well as, as well as men <laughs> tend to have short attention spans. So it's good to have the nice little 11 minute episodes for us to watch. Mathematical. Algebraic as well. Uh, and also Patrick went as Finn this year. So Finn the human is awesome. And I also went as Finn the Human when I went to work <laughs> this year, too. I was the only person dressed up for Halloween at work the day that I went in because I don't work on Fridays. So when I went in, it was the day before Halloween, so it was Halloween Eve. My my rest of my team said they were going to dress up, and I was the only one that dressed up. So I was the only person dressed up in Hallow- for Halloween the day before. But going from there, uh, we're going to talk about a few movies that are in theaters right now. Uh, recently, about two weeks ago, Big Hero 6 came out. And I'm going to say right now that Patrick and I went to go see like a test screen of this back in June. I didn't want to say anything about it until now, but uh, we really enjoyed it then. And then we it was awesome. It's been cool to see the past two years we saw Frozen as a test screening. And then we saw like the finished version you know, like six months later. It's cool to kind of see like the unfinished, unfinished film and then to see where, where they go when they finally have got it all completed uh, about six months later and see exactly if there's any changes made to some of the stuff, I don't, I didn't see that there was too many changes to the film from, from the test screening we saw. Uh, I don't think there was with frozen either. So they, they had the film down pretty, pretty well when he saw them both times. I mean, there may have been a few line changes that I didn't notice. And I think maybe there's a few characters that were changed around a little bit from like the beginning. And of course, if you guys don't know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a Walt Disney Animation Studios film that's but it is based on a like obscure kind of Marvel comic. So as in the tradition of most Marvel movies that you would see today, you would definitely need to stay until the end of the credits. I'm not gonna ruin it for you what's at the end of credits, but you need to stay until the end of the credits. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the the art for this. It's cool seeing like the, the mix of both like the Northern California as well as the uh, Eastern Asian kind of culture mixed together like that in San Francisco. Uh, I thought that was really cool and really well done. A lot of the cinematography is done in there as well. They also used, I don't remember what the name of the system is, but they did just like uh, Pixar did with uh, Monsters University. They had the, the new lighting system for that. There was a new uh, lighting system that they used for Big Hero 6 as well, which really added to like the dimensions and like the art for everything in this film. And of course with most Disney animated films now, there's a bunch of nice Easter eggs in there. Uh, if, if you didn't notice the, like the, the statue that Baymax blows up at, at um, Fred's house, it's actually a statue of Hans from frozen. So, and then there's little like Wreck-It Ralph references in there. And there's also like pictures of bolt at, at the police office. So yeah. And, and I, I'd say I think my favorite character and the film was definitely Baymax, especially I liked the, like his armor mode, but I liked all like the kind of like slapstick kind of comedy they did with Hero and Baymax in the film as well. And I thought I had a good emotional kind of story arc for Hero, kind of coming to terms 
with what, what happens to him in the film and kind of embracing like their destiny. And this is like one of the first Disney films that I have seen that's part of like their actual like uh, canon of films. You know, it was the start with Snow White and most recently it was Frozen before this. Uh, that I actually do really want to see a sequel for, mm. which Frozen, I don't, That that's kind of like a self-contained story. Wreck-It Ralph and this do really lend themselves to, like even Wreck-It Ralph could kind of be a contained story, but I mean, there's possibities where else they can go with that. Big Hero 6, though, definitely, like when it ends, you're like, okay, so I'd like to see Big Hero 6 part do now. So that's my thoughts on the film, and I'll throw it over to Justin. Yeah, I also really enjoyed the animation, the setting. Like you said, San Francisco was very interesting to see. it Because it feels like both cities, Tokyo and San Francisco, um, a really good mix of you almost don't know which city you're in when you're watching them. Um, the the story was, was uh, very enjoyable. I really liked the voice cast. Oh, yeah. Um, I... I think my favorite would be a tie between Baymax and Fred. And TJ Miller's greatest friend. Uh, yeah, his actually his personality is what I really enjoyed about Fred that it just he he brings his outside persona into the character. Yeah. Same thing with Damon Wayans Jr. He was um really oh, yeah, good as well. Um but yeah, Baymax um there's that. You know, it's interesting I've been watching a lot of recent movies um, with robots as human. They have like a human personality almost. They're still robots. Um, I just went and saw Interstellar again last night, and there's right. a couple of robots in that. Which that, actually came out the same day as Big Hero Oh, yeah, that's right. Years. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, and then I was thinking about Baymax. And then also, as you know, WALL-E is my favorite Pixar movie, so I was thinking about robots and having human personalities and characteristics, but still being robots. And what is it about that, that storytellers keep going back to? So I enjoyed everything about it. And I would be very interested to see a sequel to big hero six. Um, cause I, you, it's like a superhero team. You want to yeah. continue to see their adventures. Who's the next villain they're going to go, go up against. So I think they, they set it up really nice, and um, a lot of the changes from the that Marvel comic um, are, I think, for the better. Right. They kind of um, made it more family friendly, made it kind of um, more accessible than what the um, the original Marvel comic was. Yeah, Stanford uh, has been on. If you guys listen to podcasts, he's been on many times as well. He actually let me borrow his his collection of the Big Hero 6 comics that he went out and got this year so he could do some research when he's writing articles for the site. Uh, and those have been, those are, are really cool to, to look into just to kind of see like the influence for stuff that happens in the film, but what's different. Like in, in the comic, Fred actually does have powers that where he can turn into like a Godzilla type creature. So it's kind of cool to see like in the film, he's like just like in a suit, just if you look at his shirt in the film, the, the suit that he wears is pretty much the monster that's on his t-shirt. Uh, and it, it's, it's kind of cool. Cause in the, in the comics, well, they have different members of the team at some point, the most recent members of the team are the ones that you see in the film. Uh, 
like ones they that were in the comics that they didn't end up using in the film, probably because of certain like rights issues with like Marvel characters, like Silver Samurai is on the team at one point in there, and then there's also like Sunfire as well. So I thought I thought the the film was really well written too, and I liked the the fanboy nature of of, of Fred too in the film, and then I thought the the female characters were really well done too. I like like the like the the slogan that that Gogo says to to woman up to to both like the hero as well as like Fred and and Wasabi too so I thought that was cool. Um, is there anything else you you can think about the movie that you'd you'd want to bring up, Justin? I did like the ties. This is the first one that felt like Disney and Marvel are connected um, since they had that merger. This is this movie right here is the first one that. I said, oh, okay, yeah, it feels like they're together now. So I, I want to see more from that yeah. collaboration. And, and we've been seeing it with Disney Infinity and different things, but I want to see more. I want to see more integrations and seeing the first kind of Marvel characters appearing in the Disney parks now. I, I just want to see more and more of that. Oh, yeah, and then with Disney Infinity, they actually released Hero and Baymax so oh, you yeah. can play in the game too. Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, I need to get Baymax. Yeah, Baymax is pretty cool. Uh, Patrick has him. He's been playing with him in the the game. Uh, it's fun. And with the past few like Disney movies they've they've done like with Rocket Ralph and Tangled and, and Frozen and particularly now like with Hero Six, they've done a really good job with the comedy in the films too. Like Baymax in particular, I, I saw some. I don't remember who I saw say on Twitter, but they said that he was the best uh, on screen drunk since like uh, <laughs> like James Stewart. <laughs> In, and in, like in Harvey, so it was, it's, and which is funny, especially like when he is like running low on his battery to see some of yeah, that stuff. That was great, although it doesn't make much sense. Like I was thinking about the realist, like realistically, I know it's like he's low on his battery, but what he was doing was so human. It just, right. it's funny that it just. You get it for the joke part of it, but then I thought about like kind of the logical part of it. I was like, this doesn't make sense. But yeah, that oh, was maybe, one of my maybe Tadashi is so awesome at, at programming him that he gave him such a good personality. Yeah. He's like, when when you go on a low battery, I want you to act like you've been <laughs> you've been drinking a lot. <laughs> so so do that. And yeah, there's some great, really great stuff like with like how he's inflatable as well, and like and stuff like that in the film. So it's. it's it's good for repeat viewings to check out yeah. as well. So if you've, I've seen it twice as yeah. well, I'd like to go see it, see it again. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to the Blu-ray when that comes out. Yeah, that's hopefully Disney great. start putting your 3D Blu-rays out again too, because I still want that 3D Frozen Blu-ray. But I guess I might have to get that from the UK, and I, I, I guarantee they'll probably do the same thing with Big Hero Six, where they don't release it in 3d and this film looked awesome in 3d too just with like the flying sequences that oh yeah that was another great sequence in it too with hero and baymax flying for the first time together it reminded me of like iron man flying for the first time in the first iron man film so definitely a great film I definitely check it out and make sure you stay until the end of the credits too because you'll get a, a good laugh out of what you see at the end of it too uh so the the next one that we're going to be talking about is Dreamer's more most recent film that we actually just saw this morning. Uh, Justin Patrick and I went to go see this. It's it's a spinoff of the Madagascar series with the penguins that that the penguins characters that we know and, and love from there. They they also had their own TV series. It's uh, so this is kind of works almost like as a fourth 
Madagascar film where it takes place chronologically right at the end of the uh, the third movie, the Europe's Most Wanted. Uh, it picks up. It kind of shows like where the four penguins started as when they were like little babies and whatnot, and then it flashes forward all the way to the end of <laughs> to the end of, of Madagascar three. And there's, it shows like a great team up of them. It's it shows that they really can carry like their own f- film by themselves without any of, of the four main characters from the Madagascar films. And there's, there's great uh, slapstick jokes in here as well. <laughs> I'm Justin's playing the trailer right now. I'm laughing just like remembering some of the stuff from the film. And of course we got uh, Benedict. We got the the new like cast of the North Wind uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch and talking to the penguins. <laughs> And if you if you don't get that joke, uh, look up Benedict Cumberbatch Penguins on on uh, YouTube. <laughs> uh, he did he did a he did an interview recently on the the Graham Norton show, which is a British like talk show. And, and when he was on there, they were talking about a British documentary that he had done about penguins, where he kept mispronouncing the word penguins. He would go penguins, penguins, or and then penguins at one point. And then in the interview, too, he seemed to think that the Penguins of Madagascar movie was a Disney film, apparently. But hopefully he got that figured out with DreamWorks so they weren't getting too upset with him thinking the film he had just done for them was produced by Disney instead of them. But again, like this is another great animated film with uh, comedy that was really well done. There's really clever jokes with... Uh, the different henchmen for the main bad guy that John Malkovich does the voice for, where he keeps like naming off his different henchmen. Like he's like Elijah, would you go pick this up? So it's a, like this nice little tongue in cheek thing where he's talking to his henchmen and like the order in which they do the sentences are naming off actors you may know. Uh, what, what did you like about the film, Justin? The humor about it, the humor of it was what I enjoyed the most. Um, it was very strange humor there was a lot of jokes that it just you you didn't think you would see them in a family film there was a lot of um i don't know i don't even know how to describe it just very strange things happen in the movie uh but that's i guess the madagascar universe right um but yeah i just i like these four guys yeah i like the team together just the um, dynamics of all four peng- penguins um, and how they're a, you know a, they they're a spy team but they're penguins and that's you know kind of the joke of it but um, yeah really the humor of it is what I enjoyed the most and the dish, the new additions of the the North Wind that team made me laugh as well how they're the professionals and you know the penguins are just the supposed to be the amateurs um but yeah that's what what i liked was the characters and the humor of the movie the animation was really good as well we saw it in 3d and i really enjoyed the 3d i i didn't talk to you about this off microphone i thought it was kind of weird when it switched aspect ratios oh yeah um it kind of did um what was that ang lee movie uh, uh, Life of Pi. Yeah, Life of Pi. It kind of did that at one point where there was a penguin or something that jumped off the screen. Yeah, had a good use of three. Although I wish they kind of used that a little bit more when it changed the aspect yeah. ratio. It looked like they they only really used that like once during that, and then like it kind of goes back to the the normal aspect ratio after that. Yeah. Which, 
which I was like, oh, man, I kind of wish they used a little bit more because there's stuff flying at the screen and some of it went off like over the frame. I like how they've been doing that with some 3D films to kind of make it pop more for you. I remember like the trailer from Maleficent, they were doing stuff like that, but then in the actual film itself in 3D, they didn't actually do that. So uh, it's a kind of a cool different way to use the 3D and now that 3D is being used with more films, it's cool to see filmmakers coming up with different ideas of ways they can use it to enhance like the storytelling and whatnot. Uh, I I also liked uh, Werner, uh, Werner Herzog's cameo in the film as himself. Uh, so that, that was pretty funny. It was a nice little tongue-in-cheek reference to like March of the Penguins type uh, like penguin documentary films. And what was interesting is like this DreamWorks was originally going to release this in March of next year and then their film Home was supposed to come out this this week or sorry not this week but next week in theaters and then they flipped those around so uh, it's kind of interesting because i was actually looking forward more to this film anyways between this and home just because i'm still not too excited for home maybe i need to see another trailer for it or something like that but right now i was a lot more excited for penguins because i did like those characters from the madagascar films and i i do like like right where this story picks up when when the penguins are adults it's it's cool to see how they tie it in with with those original films too um the i can't really think of too much else from the film other than i i did i just did like the like the kind of like tongue-in-cheek jokes about like uh like action films where you like you don't look at explosions as you're walking away from it and i did some of the stuff i liked that i thought was funny was the stuff benedict Cumberbatch was doing as classified uh, reminded me of uh, Steve Coogan as Alan Partridge with like some of the way he was like doing the dialogue. It, it almost made me think Steve Coogan was doing the voice. But uh, if like if you've seen Alan Partridge, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like the way that like he was kind of enunciating certain words and like delivering them to the Penguins was making me laugh just in, to myself, just because I was thinking of Steve Coogan as Alan Partridge. So I was like, this is almost like Alan Partridge is classified in the movie. <laughs> But I enjoyed it. I would. I wouldn't mind seeing another Penguins of Madagascar film too. And there were some nice little cameos in there as well. And I think we're actually getting a Madagascar four. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Penguins show back up in that, or if they'll now stay like in their own separate oh, like, yeah. film series. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think it would be based on the success of the box office. But yeah, yeah, these ones always do well. So. Yeah, it's cool too that like DreamWorks has done well with like their spinoffs, uh, doing a lot, a lot better than you would assume they might too. With, uh, with both, like with their storytelling and then as how they do in theaters, like mm-hmm. Peasant Boots did really well, and that was a really good film. So uh, same with this. Hopefully, this does really well for them. And it was cool to see John Malkovich actually do an animated film for once too. So definitely suggest you go check out Penguins of Madagascar when it opens up in theaters. So those are our uh, new releases and reviews for the week. We'll be back in a few seconds with our new section. So we'll see you guys in a few seconds. All 
Murray, and we're back with our main section this week, our, our news section. Might as well get the biggest piece of news out of the way first. Uh, Toy Story 4 has been officially announced for June 2017. Uh, so it's coming. Yeah, it's coming out June sixteenth of two thousand seventeen, and John Lasseter is, is actually also going to be directing it. Uh, so Dang. yeah, so he. So this is his quote from uh, Disney Insider. From this was and this was from a a company kind of fiscal year earnings kind of conference call. So it was interesting that they made a an announcement for a film like during basically like. A conference that's more or less about how much money Disney has made this year. So take that for for what you will. Uh, but Toy Story 4, June 16, 2017, John Lester said, We love these characters so much. They are like family to us. We don't want to do anything with them unless it lives up to or, or surpasses what's gone before. Toy Story 3 ended Woody and Buzz's story with Andy so perfect that for a long time we never talked about doing another Toy Story movie. I agree with that. Uh, ben, but when Andrew Staten, Pete Doctor, Leandrick, and myself came up with this new idea, just could not stop thinking about it. It was so exciting to me. I knew we had to make this movie, and I wanted to direct it myself. And the script is also going to be written by Rashida Jones and uh, Will McCormack, who both actors are, have written a film before. They they did Celeste and Jesse Forever, which was which is actually pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. It'll be interesting to see just because of seeing that film to see how that corresponds into what they do for the Toy Story 4 film, uh, especially with what Celeste and Jesse forever was about. Uh, Justin saw, saw that with me as well. So he kind of knows uh, what I'm thinking there too. Uh, and it's also being produced by uh, Galen Suzman, who has also produced the shorts Toy Story of Terror and Toy Story that time forgot, which is actually going to be on TV not this week, but the next week on December 2nd. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, so, well, and, and then I kind of sh- shared my, my, what I was thinking about when I heard about Toy Story 4 on, on Facebook recently. Stanford put it in his article that he wrote about this, was that I, I do have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I really love the Toy Story trilogy, and Part 3, in my opinion, is a perfect ending to the trilogy and a perfect film in its own right. It could be, there is a few different spots in the film where it got kind of dusty in the room. Uh, you would know where these places are, uh, of course, where we think all the, the toys are going to die in the incinerator, and then just when Andy's saying goodbye to the toys near the end of the film. And the shorts and specials that have been released are, have also been really well done and fantastic, but they're like nice little epilogues to that toy, uh, to, to like the stories of these characters that we've seen in the first three films and kind of kind of seeing sort of where they, they're still at now that they're with Bonnie at the end of it. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because I kind of have been like the same age as Andy in the film each time the the films get released because I was, I was nine when the first movie came out and that's, I believe, about how old Andy is in the first film. And then in the third film... When did the third film come out? 2000... 10 yeah 2010 so i mean well i'm a little i was a little bit older than than andy then but i don't i mean i really enjoyed the films i don't so i'm kind of cautiously optimistic about a toy story 4 i mean i do wholly trust like andrew Staten, john lasseter leon rick and pete doctor but i'm still not really sure that we actually need a fourth toy story film 
So what do you think, Justin? Yeah, when I first heard the news, I did not um, feel a lot of joy about it. I wanted the third one to be the end. But if John Lasseter is adamant about this idea, I I will go into it optimistic and say, oh, okay, maybe this is an, a good reason for them to make a fourth one. Um, but I feel like the deck is going to be stacked against them. Like if it's not amazing or spectacular, then I say, well, why did you make this? Why is there a fourth one? So I'm hoping it lives up to my expectations, but I did like the way the third one ended and I don't necessarily need to continue the adventures as much as I like the characters. I don't need to see them until I'm six, 60 years old, you know? So I, I want to see what this idea is and I'm happy that they have such a good relationship with the actors that they can continue to play the characters. Cause a lot of actors get tired of doing the same roles over and over again, but I like how it seems like everybody's genuinely happy to do their part and continue to do it even in the little shorts. And, um, I want to, I want to see what they have in store for us. And, you know, the technology is going to be better at that point. Cause you look at the difference between toy story one and toy story three. And that is something that really interests me. So, I do like it from that standpoint as well to see how is the technology going to progress when the next yeah. one comes out. Where they try to keep like the, the character models look as close as possible to they did in the, the first film just so you're not like kind of like taken out of it too much. But, I mean, you can obviously tell like the, the technology has improved from 95 to, to 2014. Especially now, with so. the human characters. Like when you see Andy and oh, his yeah. mom. And just like the hair on characters and mm-hmm. stuff like that too. Like, I, I, there's probably not too many human characters that have, like, long hair. Or, like, if you do see long hair, it's not really moving that much. But, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of our friends that have come on the podcast before, as well as, like, Jonas and, and uh, Jesse, when we talked to them about their live-action Toy Story film, I, I haven't talked to them yet about it, but I'm wondering what they're thinking about what's going on with Toy Story 4, too. Because, obviously, they love the Toy Story films a lot, so... Uh, I'm just interested to see exactly if, like, this will be maybe, like, the start of, like, a new trilogy, perhaps, like, if it now it's just with Bonnie, or if Andy will show up again somehow, if he'll be, like, you know, older, married, and whatnot, and, like, he goes... I, I mean, they can really do anything in this fourth film, so it's it'll be interesting to see exactly what they do. Because with Celeste and Jesse Forever, that was basically a film more or less about, like, acceptance of things that have changed beyond your control even though you didn't want them to probably so it'll be interesting to see because that's more or less like what Toy Story 3 was like where like Woody and Buzz and the toys having to kind of accept that just or yeah Jesse that Andy had kind of outgrown them more or less so I don't know I mean I'll be I'm interested to see exactly where Rashida Jones and Will McCormack go with what they're screenplay will end up being from the story that Andrew Stanton and John Lasseter and um, Pete Doctor have come up with. So I guess we'll find out in about, what, three years from now? No. Which is about seven years after Toy Story 3 came out. Dang. Yeah. So take for that, take that for what it is. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, I mean, will Bonnie have grown? Because it's interesting because these epilogues have come out. Bonnie has been about the same age she was in Toy Story three. So I don't know if they'll just make that seven year jump, like where she's actually aged seven years. Because then what is then is Bonnie getting rid of the toys in Toy Story four? <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it'll be. I'm interested to see see where it goes. It's it's definitely something to think about within the next three years or so. Uh, then the next bit of news we have for you guys is that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, who directed the first Lego movie, are actually going to be coming back to at least write the sequel for it, which I'm very excited about. They they have a really great track record so far with me for the type of comedy they do with like the 21 Jump Street films that they've done, the first and second one. And then Lego Movie was awesome. If you guys haven't seen Clone High before, you should check that out. I think it's only like 10 bucks on Amazon for... Oh, like yeah. The entire series, mm-hmm. uh, which if you haven't seen that, that was like one of the first things they did. Uh, and that's a great show on itself. And it's like the same type of comedy that we've got from these. And then I believe they're also producing the Lego Batman spinoff film, too, which I don't think they're writing that one, but I know they are producing it. Um, that film by itself is also kind of interesting to think about what's going on there, because I guess what's going to be happening is that the Lego Batman movie spinoff is going to be happening uh before lego movie part two comes out and and what i saw the other day was that they're actually going to try to have all different eras of batman represented in the film so that'll be interesting too to see like if they can get adam west as batman michael keaton as batman val kilmer as batman uh so both michael keaton or sorry both val kilmer and George Clooney Batman's complete with the nipples on their bat suits. And then Christian Bell having like a, a rasp, raspiness voice off with Will Arnett's Batman would be funny to see in them. And, and I think all of those actors have a kind of, a, well, maybe all of them except for maybe Christian Bell. Like if you've heard the audio bit from Terminator Salvation, uh, do have tend to have like a good sense of humor about themselves. So I think it would be interesting to see all those different Batmans kind of interacting with one another in the Lego Batman movie. It'll also be interesting to see exactly what they do for the story for that too, if it takes place before the Lego movie. Um, and we'll, of course we'll get to hear the, the original version of Lego Batman's song, the untitled darkness. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to put that in the, in this episode again as like one of the interstitial music bits, but I'm looking forward to it. The, the Lego movie sequel itself comes out, uh, about a month before the Toy Story 4 film we were just talking about. So, we're going to be... Uh, 2017 is going to be a big year for... Why do we have to wait so yeah, long? That's going to be a huge year for animation because another bit of news that we're talking about shortly uh, is How to Train Your Dragon 3 is coming out. Like, within within those those weeks, periods, uh, between like a movie 2 and Toy Story Damn. 4. And then I believe we're also getting Despicable Me 3 in that same period of between like of May and June. So like between the end of May, 2017 and the end of June, 2017, I think we're getting five animated films in that time alone based on huge properties that have already existed for their different, um, representing companies like Pixar, Disney, illumination, Warner brothers now. So it'd be interesting exactly to see the box office for all these, since they'll all be competing against one another and, uh, parents going broke from bringing their kids to movie theater every single week. And of course, all of these will be in 3D too, so you'll definitely be even more broke as well. So 
2017 will be a pretty huge year for for animated films in general. So looking forward to that. Uh, what do you think, Justin? Are you looking forward to like a movie sequel on Lego Batman? Yeah, and it's the same thing that you said because Phil Lord and Chris Miller have built up so much good credit with me. I can't wait to see what happens with this one. Um, didn't they do Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs too? Yeah, they did the first okay, one, yes. Yeah, so everything that they've done so far for me has been good. So I, I want to see what, what they do next. And their style of humor is is right up my alley. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited, but I'm not excited about waiting three years to see it. I want to see it now. I want to go to iTunes and download right No, I want to go to the theater right now and watch it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And when did I say Lego Batman came out? 2016, yeah. I believe. Yes. Yeah, because we get Lego Batman a year before Lego Movie Part 2. But yeah, and I'm still wondering what exactly Lego Batman's gonna. Uh, I've seen somewhere it says 2017. Some sometimes it says 2016. So um, it's either gonna be February of 2017 or possibly earlier, somewhere in 2016. Yeah. So, and right now, Will Arnett's really the only confirmed cast for that movie. <laughs> Which I don't. Know, Lego Batman was such a breakout character from. Like a movie, I'm surprised that Benny the Spaceman's not getting his own film too, which oh, Harley yeah. Day. Just basically saying spaceship for two and a half hours. Uh the the next one we're gonna talk about though is the the new Cars Tune short, which is coming out next year. Uh, that you'll be able to watch on the Disney movie anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Although I I'm actually looking forward to this one because it's got a, a good new voice cast for Aziz Ansari is doing the voice of um let's see. It'll be the Pilot, or sorry, the police car Mike Seven, and then uh, Wendy McClendon Covey, who's uh, currently on the Goldbergs, will be doing the the police car DD05. Uh, and basically, the synopsis for this is: when sheriff takes a mandatory vacation, two overzealous rookies from county take over his duties in Radiator Springs. Bent on making a good impression to score commendations, the rookies overdo every aspect of their jobs, finding, quote-unquote, crimes <laughs> at every turn and turning the quiet little town into a hotbed of taped-off crime scenes. No one is safe and everyone's a suspect until sheriff senses an imbalance in the force. Oh, sorry, an imbalance and returns home to write the justice that's been served. Uh, and this is going to be directed by Scott Morse, co-directed by Rob Gibbs, and produced by Nicole Paradis, Grindle, and Mary Alice Drum. And that's, uh, it's going to be called To Protect and Serve. Uh, so what do you, have you watched any of uh, the Cars Tune shorts, Justin? I have not, and I have zero interest. Like, everything that I was saying about Toy Story, how I was optimistic and interested to see what the story would be, I have the exact opposite on cars <laughs> or anything that has to do with cars. Planes, trains, automobiles. You don't like John Candy and Steve Martin? I like those guys but i don't like this so uh, yeah well and the other uh kind of cool thing about this is that um that justin there is a time travel cars 2 episode with mater where he goes back in time what and it references heavily on back to the future all right i'll watch that that one you'll enjoy because when he go he he goes backwards when he reverses to go back in time and it leaves the the flame trailer. Uh, so I was like, well done. Yeah. Uh, and then the next bit is a, a 2D animated film has been 
uh, funded called Hullabaloo from, uh, I believe it was Indiegogo. Uh, so it just kind of shows like what crowdfunding can do nowadays, uh, with getting stuff made, you know, uh, Zach Braff had his film made that way. We've had a few different, like kind of cool robot things that I've seen being crowdfunded on there and Hullabaloo looks really cool. It's, uh, it's 2d animation, but it's also, it's also mixed with like a steampunk kind of. Uh, what I'm trying to think, like art direction. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you guys have ever watched uh, the, the Green Lantern animated series. There is an episode called Steam Lantern, where Hal Jordan actually gets sent to like this alternate universe where it's like everything's like steampunk, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a, a steampunk Green Lantern in there. <laughs> so, this is this design on this looks really cool. It's uh, like old school kind of like Disney animation. Um, and actually, the, the dude that is working on it, uh, I believe his name is James Lopez, uh, and I believe that he worked on, he used to work at Disney, he was uh, worked on Paperman, and yeah. he's using part of like that same technology for Hullabaloo, so it'll be interesting to, to see exactly how that film uh, progresses. First, it's going to be like a, a web series, and then if that does well enough for them, then they're going to fund a, a feature film for it. So what, what do you think about it, Justin, from what you've seen so far? That looks great. And I love the animation on Paper Man. So this, I want more of this. I'll, I'll watch this whenever it comes out in whatever form it comes out in. Yeah. And I like the um, the steampunk aesthetic of it. Definitely. Uh, and what's really cool is, like, they had only, like, put, like, they they wanted to, I believe, fund maybe, like, $250,000, maybe $20,000. At this point, they've already... They're almost to almost like half a million dollars. So it shows that like there's still uh, people out there that do really want to see 2D hand-drawn animated films. So all of the animation studios should should take regard into that because yeah, if the story is good, it doesn't matter which way it's animated. Especially like the the new Peanuts trailer that came out recently for the the new like Charlie Brown Peanuts movie. I really like. We talked about this when the first teaser came out, but I really like how that film looks like it's a mix of like CG animation mixed with stop motion animation mixed with hand drawn animation. Where it's all CG, but it looks like it's mixing all those different forms of animation styles together. So it's got me really excited for that film. I didn't know that it was coming out next Christmas. I actually thought it was coming out like earlier in the year next year. So yeah, and the new the new trailer for that. I forgot to put it in our notes, but we'll just talk about it right now. Is that it's very Christmas heavy and it shows basically Snoopy, uh, you know, doing his Red Baron thing where he flies his his, his doghouse in the sky to take down the Red Baron. Uh, what do you think, Justin? Yeah, I'm. I was a big fan of um, Charlie Brown when I was growing up, um, so it's interesting to see it go into the next dimension. Um, but I would even just like a 2D. Yeah. But uh, like just looking at it, it's like cool. Like the way that they mixed. Mm-hmm. It's like it is 2D, but it's also CG. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a weird. I just like the way that they're doing different yeah. things with the animation and not just doing straight up CG. Yeah. Cause yeah, I like that because I don't like it doesn't have to be the same way that you've always done it. You can change something. You could do something different. So 
Yeah, I like that. Having it almost looks like hand drawn facial animations on a 3D body. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what I guess like I'm, th- I'm thinking too is like the eyes, hands, mouth, all are like 2D, but then the body and whatnot are CG to kind of give them a little bit of dimension. Yeah, but yeah, so going from Peanuts and Hullabaloo, I believe the next thing we we're going to be talking about was we touched on it briefly was the how to train your dragon three moved its release date to 2017 no. it's coming out june 9th of 2017 <laughs> i was originally going to come out june 17th of 2016 so like i said let's see uh finding dory i believe comes out uh the on that june right uh, yeah it comes out on that june 17th 2016 date so i guess it wanted to move away from that but now it's going to be <laughs> Next to Toy Story Four, so I don't know if it'll move again or what's going to happen there. It's it's really interesting to see like where all these films are going to be competing against one another because you have Lego Movie May twenty sixth, then you have uh, the the Toy Story film coming out June sixteenth, two thousand seventeen, and then uh, what looks like a a Blue Sky film coming out around July twenty first of that year. So like like I said again, like within that like that six the seven week period there's going to be five or six animated films all of which have really big fan bases to them and it'll be it i still think it'll be really interesting to see what the box office ends up being for all these and the battle that'll go on between them what do you think justin yeah that is going to be a great time every couple of weeks you're going to be like man i want to see a new animated movie so yeah that's i i like that but i don't like it because then it's like it's almost like what happens every year with video games, all of the great releases come out within like a two month period. And so you spend most of the year anticipating those other titles. And then every once in a while you'll get a good game, but 90% of the good releases come out in November, December. And I always say, man, I wish they would spread that out a little bit more, be releasing great games throughout the year so we can have something to play. That's almost the same thing with this one for 2017. It's on one hand, it's exciting to have all those, but then on another hand, it's like, man, I'd, I'd like them to stretch it out and have great animated releases throughout the year. Right. So yeah, and then I, I guess I guess we'll have to wait to see exactly how the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy ends too. But what's interesting is that on the Blu-ray for How to Train Your Dragon Two is that it says the second part of the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. <laughs> Which I think is funny. I think that's like the first time I've seen like, like when a film is being released oh, on yeah. Blu-ray, already saying that it's part of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of shows like where like the mindset is of like franchises and trilogies nowadays for different studios. So, but I, I really liked the second one. I thought that one was just as good as as the first one, if not better. So I'll be interested in seeing exactly what they do with the third film. Uh, and see if they jump ahead in time anymore like they did between the first and second where there being five years because between um when it came the second one came out this year and when this comes out it'll be about three yeah about three years between so and i believe hiccup was like 20 years or old or so in the second movie so maybe he'll be 25 or something like that and so it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens to that if we'll see any more night furies in that movie too so uh, going from that, I'm going to let Justin talk about this a little bit, too, because he's got more knowledge base with uh, DC and whatnot. But coming from 
And it's going to be a new Justice League Gods and Monsters Chronicles series, which is going to be kind of tied to the Justice League uh, Gods and Monsters uh, film that's gonna, an original animated film that they're gonna that DC is going to be releasing, but it's going to be like an animated series kind of leading up to the events of that film, uh, and it's based on a story arc from the comics. I'm gonna let Justin speak to what he he thinks about the series and the film that's gonna be coming out for this. This is interesting. Um, the DC animated side has always fascinated me. It's always been a great. Um, company or studio, or it's al- they've always put out quality from going back to you know Batman the animated series all the way up to their current um, yearly releases that they're doing now. So I'm always excited when I see something from DC animated. Um, their live action stuff, I'm hoping they get it together, but their animated area has been a great. Um, great success for uh a while now so i love the dc characters and the dc heroes i always love seeing them working together um i just wish the public would embrace more than just batman superman and justice league i'd I'd like more popularity with green lantern more popularity with wonder woman aquaman so we can get the flash yeah more Flash movies. I, I, Flashpoint I really liked, um, but I want more. And, and I think the success of the live-action TV show Flash will... And, and we're getting a movie as well. So I think that's going to put Flash more into the public consciousness and maybe spur on more animated stuff as well. Because we kind of saw that with Green Lantern when the Green Lantern movie came oh, out. Yeah. Then the Green Lantern... Although they didn't do very well, but it still kind of got Green Lantern out and his name in in there because I love Superman, I love Batman, but I don't want to see them on every single release. And and with what's going on with Batman now, it's been like the last three or four have been all Batman movies, and I just want more. Although they do have the the Throne of Atlantis that's coming out. And I'm excited about that because that story that that's based on is, is one that was... Something if you if you don't have any familiar familiarity with Aquaman, or if you think the character is a joke, or he, he just talks to fish, that is a great story to kind of and, and that's what it was supposed to be. Is uh, Jeff Johns the writer? He's trying to bring Aquaman back because that's what he did with Hal Jordan and Green Lantern. He tried to do that with Barry Allen also by bringing him back from from the dead. He was trying to do that with Aquaman also. So. Um, I'm hoping that that is a is a really good movie, and it brings more light, sheds more light onto Aquaman because he's a great character as well. Definitely, and the, I believe that Throne of Atlantis comes out in January, and that one works as kind of like a direct sequel to the Justice League uh, War uh, animated feature they did. I think that that came out this year, right? Yeah, because yeah, they've had a few that came out this year. They've done a few more than they usually do. Because they, they did what, like, they did was... The Son of Batman. Yeah, Son of Batman. Assault um, on Arkham. Assault on Arkham, and then the Justice League War this year. So, they, yeah, two Batman. All three of those had Batman in them, by the way. Uh, so, and I, I've I've heard from other people, like, or read from other people that work at, at DC, like, they're, they, they would like to do other films that aren't Batman all the time, but those are the ones that they're being told to make because those are the ones that sell the most. 
So if you guys stop going watch Batman, they'll actually make other animated films based on like Cyborg or Shazam or something or Green Arrow. I'd like to see a Green Arrow one out too, especially with how well the live action show is doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then this is it's going to be an animated series. It's going to be on uh, the Machina or the uh, Machinima Machinima Network, uh, which I only know of because of the YouTube. So I don't know if it's only going to be on YouTube or if they actually have like a like an online network or something like that. But it'll be interesting to see what they do there too, because I, I only know of like their YouTube channel, so I don't know if it's just going to show up on the YouTube channel itself. So that'll be interesting to see that and how that works as well. Uh, the last bit of news we're going to talk about is going to be the the Angry Birds uh, voice cast was announced, uh, which I think the last time Justin was on, we actually talked about there being an Angry Birds film. So it took this long for them to announce the actual voice cast for the film. And it's pretty, a pretty interesting cast for who's going to be in it. So red, uh, you know, the, the default kind of angry bird character is going to be Jason Sudeikis, a bird with a temper problem, AKA angry bird, uh, Chuck, AKA Olaf is going to be Josh Gad, uh, a speedy bird, which is the yellow bird. Uh, and then bomb, which is, you know, the big, huge, fat uh, black bird is going to be Danny McBride, uh, a volatile bird. You get it because he's like a bomb bird. Um, so basically, you'll have Jason Sudeikis, Olaf, and um, Kenny Powers as as the three main guys. And then Bill Hader is doing the voice of Pig. So like, you know, the green pigs from Angry Birds. So that'll be interesting as well then. Amaya Rudolph, uh, who was just in Big Hero 6 as Aunt Cass, is actually going to be in this film as as Matilda, which I'm not sure who that is. I think it's maybe like one of the, the girl birds. The My son has told me the white <laughs> white bird, the, which I believe is, isn't that like the big one, the fat one that lay, lays eggs? Uh-huh. Okay. And then uh, the, the last one is going to be a, let's see, uh, Peter Dinklage, uh, you may know from Game of Thrones or as Boulevard Trask from this year's X-Men Days of Future Past or many other films. He's he's an angry elf. Uh, he's doing the voice of the Mighty Eagle in the Angry Birds film. Uh, the additional voices and the Mighty Eagle is like that character you can buy that basically kills all the, all the pigs. So uh, additional members of the cast are Ike Barinholtz, Hannibal Buress, Ursula Alonzo, Dang, that's a lot of stand-up comedians. Yeah, Jillian Bell, uh, Daniel Brooks, and singer Romeo Santos. So apparently one of the birds will be singing as well. Uh, And then the film's producer, John Cohen, said, I'm extremely proud of this cast. Not only do we have Jason, Josh, Danny, Bill, Maya, and Peter bringing these characters to life, but they're surrounded by an all-star ensemble of emerging comedic talent. These are some of the funniest people out there today, and we're thrilled to have them all aboard. And then the movie's actually directed by Clay Cadis. Uh, you guys, if you're big Disney fans, will know that he worked at Walt Disney Animation Studios and left recently to uh, have this be his first kind of feature film that he's he's directing. Uh, and he's, he's done some pretty awesome stuff when he was working at Walt Disney Studios. He's co-directing the film with, I believe... Uh, Fergal Riley, which that's an interesting first name. Uh, the CG animated film is going to be is being made by Sony Pictures Imageworks, and then it's going to come out July first, two thousand sixteen. 
So this is also in that same period of, or actually no, it's 2016, not 2017. So yeah, this will be around uh, next summer, or not next summer, 2016, so two summers from now. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to see, like when Justin said when we first announced, like we saw the news about them doing an Angry Birds film, it will be interesting to see if people still care about Angry Birds. Yeah, because already I feel like it's died out. Like, yeah. They I mean, still... maybe it will resurge from the film coming out just because of the cast. Mm-hmm. But they still release games. Like, they just came out with Angry Birds Transformers oh, really? recently. Um, I didn't even know about that. And they're starting to do different forms of the game instead of yeah, like the, the same. Yeah, the bad piggies. And... Yeah, where it's not just you pull the bird back and hit it. Like with the Transformers, it's almost like a an endless runner where you're you're just hmm. running, and then you tap on the screen where you want him to shoot, and then that's how you take the pigs out. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's going to be popular at that point in in two or three years. But I love this cast alone yeah. would make no matter what the movie is, seeing that cast would make me want to see it. That's why I'm looking forward to that Sausage Party animated film that's coming out what? next year with that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are writing. And that's basically the cast from This Is The End. Oh, wow. In an animated film. Uh, and like Michael Sarah and everybody's going to be in that. Danny McBride is in that one, too. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this. And then, uh, um, yeah, I'm just really... Really looking forward to it. And then Keegan Michael Key is in the movie yes, as well too. Yes. So I don't know who he's doing the voices of, but I'm really, really looking forward to seeing exactly how awesome this movie will be. Because they've done some animated shorts that are like all you know, uh, like uh, the silent kind of animated films, and those have been kind of funny with the way they've done those. So if, like the film is close to that, and I have faith in uh, Clay Caddis doing a great film too. So. Yes, fingers crossed to, to see how an Angry Birds film will be in 2016, two years from now. So that's all of our news for this week. We'll be back in a few seconds with our trailers and then our recommendations for the week. So we'll see you guys in a few seconds. All right, and we're back with our trailer section for this episode. Uh, the first trailer we're going to be talking about, uh, it's kind of going to be like a one-sided conversation, too. Justin doesn't watch trailers. Uh, so the first one is Song of the Sea, which is, I believe this is like the second trailer we've gotten for this. It shows a little bit more of the story of what's going to be going on in the movie and a little more of like an idea of what exactly is going on. So, again, I still really like the animation style for this. It's that same kind of great animation style that if you guys have seen The Secret of the Cows, it looks exactly like that. Uh, It's just like a really creative, well-done art to it. Like, there's different scenes in this trailer, too, that just look like moving pieces of, like, art. And I just, I like the looks of these films so much that it's, like, I could probably watch them on mute, and it would still be just as good as a film to me, just with watching, like, this is just really fantastic, really well done. Um, it's, it's got great cinematography for a 2D animated film as well, and it just looks like a very fantastical type of film. It almost looks like, um, like a children's book brought to life in animation. That's, like, the closest thing I can compare it to for what 
the animation style is for these types of films. Uh, Justin, like from what you've seen of like still frames and stuff of it, what do you think about it? Yeah, it looks great. Like you said, that secret of Kel's animation style is interesting. And you were talking to me um, on the way to Penguins this morning uh, about Chris O'Dowd and the Irish feel oh, yeah. for it. So I'm interested to hear some Irish accents. Oh, yeah. Brennan Gleeson was also in The Secret of the Kells. He's going to be in this film as well. Uh, and you guys may know him as Mad-Eye Moody from the Harry Potter films, um, amongst many other things that he's done. But uh, I just really am in, interested in seeing this. I believe it comes out in December in probably just New York City and Los Angeles and the United States and maybe like your local art house film theaters close to you. Uh, but I, I really do want to see it. It's coming from, it's being released by G kids, uh, over here again. So it'll probably be released on Blu-ray by like Cinedime, which is usually uh, G kids as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing that and checking out to see exactly what another film from, um, the studio looks like, uh, the next trailer we're going to talk about is the live action trailer for Cinderella. Uh, and Justin, first of all, like, what do you think about like all these live action films that Disney is doing basically based on other films they've already done in animation? I'm not crazy about it. I'd rather them just stay with Annie Leibovitz photos of celebrities as different Disney princesses and characters. Um, I'm trying to get into once upon a time, but I have not yet. It's, saved on my Netflix queue or my list, I should say my Netflix list, but live action. I'm not, I like the, I like it to stay animated myself, just my personal opinion. So with Maleficent, I wasn't a big fan of, and I saw the uh, poster for Cinderella and I said, Oh no, here comes another one. So I'll watch, I'm going to watch it, but I'm not excited about it. Right. Uh, it's being directed by Kenneth Branagh, who did the, the first Thor film. Kate mm. uh, Blanchett is in the film as the the evil stepmother. And then you got uh, Rob Stark in the movie from Game of Thrones as the uh, Prince Charming character as well. He looks. Uh, it was funny because uh, me and my wife watched the trailer, and I didn't notice that it was him at first because he doesn't have a beard in the film. I got very used to him in Game of Thrones with that beard, so... Uh, seeing him in the trailer without it, almost he almost looks weird because he still has a longer bit of the hair. So uh, it was interesting seeing him in that. And then uh, Helena Bonham Carter is playing the fairy godmother in the film as well. So we, I, mean, I am interested to see exactly how the film is done. But it looks like the same kind of cinematography as like Maleficent. And I know that they're also working on a live action Jungle Book movie. They announced that they were doing a live action Dumbo as well. So. I'm just wondering if they're going to go through like all of the classic films they've they've done and make live action versions of them. So I don't know. I, I I'm interested. I'm going to give this one like a chance to see exactly if it's it's better than Maleficent. I didn't care for Maleficent too much. I liked Angelina Jolie in that film. And the basically the best scene of that movie is still like the scene that recreates the famous scene from Sleeping Beauty. I liked that scene a lot, but the rest of the film I can kind of take it or leave it. Uh, so, and I like Kenneth Branagh films that he's done in the past. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt as well. And it's also got Haley Atwell in the film playing uh, Cinderella's mother. 
and then Stellan Skarsgård's in the film too. So you got you have three Marvel uh, uh, veterans in there taking different parts of Cinderella. So maybe maybe you'll have a little bit of Marvel influence in Cinderella. Sure, maybe she'll use her her uh, pumpkin carriage to take out some Hydra agents. Uh, the next one uh, is the third trailer we got for Paddington. Uh, after Colin Firth left the film as the voice of Paddington, and then I believe, I'm blanking on the guy's name right now, but the guy that came in that did the voice of Paddington, he played basically Q in Skyfall, and then he's also in the Theory of Everything that just came out recently, where he's playing uh, Ben Wishaw is his name, I believe. Uh, and then Peter Capaldi's in the movie too, so we got the Doctor in there as well. So I'm I'm really looking forward to. Basically, I'm looking forward to that aspect of it. It was originally supposed to come out to Christmas, and then they get, they pushed it to like the middle of January. So I'm not sure that's too good of a sign, or if that's just because they needed time to have uh, Ben Wishaw go in there and redub uh, the voice going over Colin Firth's uh, acting. So I don't, I'm hoping it's just for that reason, and not because the studio doesn't have as much faith in the film anymore. So hopefully, it's that reason and not. And not the, the bad reason, more or less. But uh, just you've seen the. Have you seen any trailers for it at all? Or I mean, like teasers or posters. I've or, just what do seen you think? the poster, which we saw today in the yeah. theater. That's the only one that I've seen. From from that alone, what, what do you are you? What do you think? Do you think you you want to see it? Yeah. Or do you think you might just like leave it? I'm going to watch it, but only because I was a big Paddington fan when I was a kid. Um, that was one of those storybooks that my mom would read to me. So I have fond memories of it from that. So I'll give it a, a shot. Did you watch the, the animated series that they did? When uh, that was on? that one I did not. Right. I, I think I remember watching that most. I remember, and then I remember I had like the little Paddington bear yeah. thing, like the, both the, ye- the, the yellow hat and blue coat and the red coat and whatever color the, the hat was. Yeah. But yeah, so I'll be, I'll watch it just for that too. So I, uh, I am kind of cautiously optimistic about it too, just from some of the stuff I've seen in the trailer. I hope it's not like all like kind of gross out jokes and uh, basically Alvin and the Chipmunks, the live action films, which if it is, Patrick will enjoy it because he likes those movies a lot. Uh, but the the next trailer, and I believe our, our last trailer this week is for uh, the Minions spinoff film. So we, we talked a, a little while back earlier in this episode about the Penguins of Madagascar spinoff film about a group of characters that were highly um, popular from a, scent, a a group of films. So that's basically what's going on now with the Minions is that they're so popular from Despicable Me. Despicable Me 2 basically felt like Minions in and of itself anyways. It's like two-third Minions, one-third grew, and like the, the main storyline of that second film is basically more or less about turning the minions into like bad minions which aren't the minions technically supposed to be kind of bad already anyways but anyways like in the minions film in this teaser it was really well done too is uh it's kind of almost done like in a documentary style where like it, it goes back to like the beginning of time like with the minions with like the dinosaurs and whatnot and it just shows like how they've always looked for an, like an evil kind of uh bad guy to to follow and to be their minion for uh so it was that was interesting to see it that way and then i liked in the trailer how like they show up in new york city maybe in like the 1960s and it says like 
42 years uh, BG for, before Gru. So uh, in this film, like, John Hamm's going to be in it as a voice. Uh, Sandra Bullock is going to be, like, the main, like, uh, human character that they're dealing with, which I believe is going to be, like, the villain that there are minions to in this. And I'm wondering if, like, by the, like, the end of the film, like, it'll show them meeting Gru or something like that as well. So it, it looks interesting, and, and like, they finally kind of uh, make fun of the the fact that some of the minions look like bananas in the trailer as well. So if you haven't seen that, that teaser yet, I would say go to check that out as well, too. So those are our new trailers for the week. We'll be back in a few seconds to close out the show with our recommendations for the week. So see you guys then. with our recommendations for the week the first recommendation i I have for you guys this week uh, is how it should have ended how the avengers age of ultron teaser should have ended Uh, i I liked that they they started doing like the like these teaser how it should have ended uh, bits they did one for the the batman versus superman teaser that they showed at uh, comic-con this year so it's kind of cool if you weren't at comic-con you kind of got to see what that trailer looked like that was there just from their animation uh, but this one kind of plays up the joke with the fact that Ultron, you know, says there are no strings on me from Pinocchio, like the the song in that film, and then it just plays on him doing different, like, famous lines from other animated Disney films, and the Avengers getting mad at him for ruining their childhood, <laughs> and like Thor saying it's nothing sacred, and Hulk is Hulk gets all mad as well, and Captain America, it's like, oh, I got that reference for like the Pinocchio ones, like films that came out before he would have been frozen. Um, and then, and then it kind of, you know, the same way that when usually when they do superhero ones now that has Batman and Superman in it and it's the Batman versus Superman, <laughs> Batman and Superman and it's Ultron and them talking to each other. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. And I don't know if Justin hasn't seen it yet, but, uh, from what I said, what do you think, Justin? That sounds hilarious, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, yeah. Batman and Superman and the How It Should Have Ended videos are already pretty, fu- always pretty funny. And speaking of how it should have ended, I watched the How the Guardians of the Galaxy Should Have Ended, and I was laughing the entire time. <laughs> the Batman, I am Batman versus I am Groot, back and forth was fantastic i liked everything about it this is one of my favorite ones that i've watched yeah and i liked the, the thing with drax in the video too because he takes stuff so literally when i'm talking about giving a crap so thanks Almost. for watching you big turd blossom <laughs> yeah I, I i i liked the how the guardians of the galaxy should have ended too the the guys over there at, at guardians or yeah at guardians at how it should have ended do a really good job otis uh daniel Everybody over there, um, Otis. Like obviously, if you've listened, he's been on the podcast before. He does a lot of like the background art for them. And again, like in these, he did a really awesome job there too. <laughs> I just always like how they they take like little things that they notice in the film and kind of play them up to like stuff that happened in the storyline. And I guess even James Gunn 
shared this video recently after they put it out. <laughs> so that's why it's almost up to almost 2 million views on on YouTube now, too. <laughs> what did you like most about about the sh- the the Thanos part and the Batman versus Groot. Oh, yeah. The I am Groot. I'm Batman. I am Groot. I'm Batman. Oh, yeah. I like the little um, uh, cameos in, in the background when they show the collector stuff. You can see, like, the alien from Alien <laughs> and Akbar from Star Wars. And I, I think it's also got, like, uh, one of the Navi from Avatar in there as well. Predator is in there. I think the Grinch is in there. And it looks like Joffrey. Oh, yeah, Joffrey's in there, too. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. So, I, I, yeah, that's another great thing about how it should have been is that they have, like, all that stuff in there. So it's cool to see Joffrey's just sitting in the background there, too. I didn't notice that until just now. But, um, yeah, I really I really like these how it should have been. And they did a good job with the character models on all these, two again. So definitely check that out if you've not seen it yet, uh, especially the ending of that, too. I always like the Super Cafe stuff they do, so... Yeah, guys, that's those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, so, you, so you know, if you don't already, you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Mark Vibbert, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. And mine is at Vactor, V-A-C-T-O-R. Or you can follow the show itself at Animated Podcast. You can also feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Or visit our site at animationfascination.wordpress.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the other 830 people that have already done that just by searching for Animation Fascination. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing it, you can search for us on iTunes and give us a review there. Uh, hopefully some five-star reviews. Let us know what you think about the, the show. If you do, we'll share those reviews on the show as well. So, for myself, I'm Mark Herbert, and for... My co-host Justin Vector. I'm Batman. I'm Brooke. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And make sure to tune in next time, guys. Thanks. Bye bye.